the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by the Athletic, featuring the Luck Podcast. I'm all about Andrew Luck, the tumultuous retirement, the ghost that has become Andrew Luck, even in Indianapolis. Zach Kiefer and the Athletic NFL staff do a great job with this. Episode 5 is now available on The Athletic. Start at theathletic.com slash track S-P-O-T-R-A-C, and get 40% off that first year subscription. My name is Mike Trinetti. Happy Sunday, Monday, whenever you're listening to this. It's a big NFL show. Cousin Dan joins to break down the upcoming NFL season. We do our annual win, win totals, overs and unders, some divisional picks, some MVP picks, how strength of schedule and some of these quarterback decisions have kind of really driven conversations, not just from a gambling perspective, but also fantasy and uh, in real life as well. And uh, look, how the team building part of this really affects this stuff, right? Should you believe in a team like the 49ers that are handing the keys over to a basically an unknown? Should you continue to back the, uh, the aging dinosaurs that are Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers? And did they do enough in those franchises to supplement those rosters to keep them in contention? Cousin Dan and I go back and forth on quite a few of these conversations, and it's, uh, it's always a lot of fun. One of my favorite podcasts of the entire year. This is our fourth annual doing this. So it's a big NFL piece. Then on the back end, Scott Allen joins Sportico's NFL franchise valuations are out. He's got all the facts and figures of those, the trends, the increases, why some teams went up, why some teams went down, who could be in line for big increases over the next 18 months. So that's the uh, last 10 minutes or so of this podcast. But big NFL show. I don't have too much more to add outside of the fact that it's been a lot of fun to watch the Mets this weekend. Obviously, those who listen know I'm a diehard, always have been. But all of these contenders, now that we've got a, a post-Major League Baseball trade deadline situation at in our hands, have, have altered a little bit. And when we're talking about the Mets, yes, they added a couple of DHs, the lefty and a righty. But getting Jacob DeGrom, DeGrom back to go after Max Scherzer in the rotation is going to be something to watch. We've seen this before to some degree, right? But back, back-to-back Hall of Famers, I mean, they had Kershaw and, and Scherzer just last year sitting in that Dodgers rotation. It didn't get them where they needed to be. But we've seen teams do this. And the Mets are trying to do this over at least the full season now with Dragon back. And we talked about it before. I've got pieces online on spotchart.com. DeGrom can opt out after this year. And DeGrom is going to opt out after this year, all right? Because we've seen him now for 12 innings. And not only is he Jacob DeGrom, but he is Hall of Fame Jacob DeGrom. And by the way, so is Max Scherzer, who now has two years and $85 million left in this contract and seems worth every single bit of it, at least at this point in time. So, um, you know, how these teams kind of look now, the, the Braves made significant changes to their bullpen and uh, a couple of, of bench pieces, as you might expect them to do in contention. Minnesota did much of the same, as we broke down in the last show. And look, did the Dodgers do enough? Did the Blue Jays do enough? Did everything the Padres do, is that going to be enough this year to even consider the playoffs with uh, the way the Dodgers are beating up on them this weekend? And the Yankees are sliding. And this was certainly predictable, but can they uh, weather this storm and get back into where they belong, which is one of the best teams we've ever seen in the regular season? We'll see. I think that Jordan Montgomery trade was super suspect. So uh, just kind of evaluating the post MLB trade deadline stuff is always fun as we lead into the dog days of August. But obviously, when your team is relevant, it's even more fun. So 
you'll have me kind of eyeballing a lot of these games more and more because obviously the Mets are relevant and uh, plenty more to get to. I did an entire options piece for those of you who are interested in players that could opt out or have club options or mutual options or vested options. Um, like Justin Verlander, by the way, who just turned his mutual option into a $25 million player option for next year, which makes his situation very interesting. Could it be Kershaw, DeGrom, Verlander, and then some on the open market? It's very possible. That's very possible. And that's uh, obviously fun because, as you know, if you listen to me at all, I value pitchers maybe four to one right now to, to the best position player in the game. That's just the way this game has gone. So something to keep an eye on, something I'll be doing, and we'll be back on, on baseball very, very shortly here as they progress toward the end of the regular season. But like I said, big NFL show. Hope you enjoy this one. Hit me up at Track with recommendations, suggestions, and Twitter. And please follow and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. All right, Dan, football is here. We had a fake game last night, the Hall of Fame game. I didn't watch a second of it. No idea who even played in it. That's how far displaced I am from this situation right now. But I am diving into the, the numbers of the Josh, offseason. What's Josh that? Jacobs played for what it's worth. So really? There, there you go is he a roster bubble stuff. guy? Uh, it's for, it, after last night, it sure sounds like it. So Yeah, they declined that fifth. So he's, a, he's an expiring. Man, that's uh... Yeah, he's the only guy, he's like the only perceived starter who played last night. So God, he's going to be a Patriot by September 1st, isn't he? It's happening. <laughs> There's your first hot take. Let's, let's have a few more here. Um, it's our annual tradition. Uh, win totals, division winners, MVP candidates, all that good stuff. I've, I've beefed it up a little bit here for our viewing purposes. Not that anybody listening can see it. But we, uh, I pulled some DraftKings numbers here in terms of projected win totals. I included the strength of schedule for our talking points here because I I don't know how you can have that conversation without knowing that element of it, right? I mean, it's 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 everything because if you don't know what you know what what a certain team is playing in terms of the outside division, what are we even talking about here? So when you see some of these teams that have been highly highly talked about over the past couple of months, like the Chiefs, like the Raiders, like the Chargers. And they're 32, 31, and 30, respectively, in strength of schedule, meaning they have the hardest schedules. Uh, are those just immediate stayaways for you? Or do you have to talk yourselves into some of those conversations? Um, I don't think it necessarily, like, would keep me away. I, I think the strength of schedule stuff, like, as you laid out, it is important, like, in the overall context. But um, it does change very quickly um, based on one injury team, yeah or or like um you know if two of the teams that are making up your your tough strength of schedule um all of a sudden are disappointing that can kind of flip things on its head and a uh, team that had a previously easy strength of schedule it can it can it can just flip pretty easily but it is at least important to in the overall context to kind of look at um you know which teams could have easier strength of schedules than than others so 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 what is your concept with an over-under? If you had to sit down and place two or three bets, and I know you probably do that every year. Um, in fact, we've already done one, which we'll get to in a second. But if you had to, pl- if you had to sit down and-, and calculate three bets for an over-under total projection, are you thinking division? Is that where your head goes first? Um, well, I think within looking at the context of the division can be important. Um, I do think a lot of that's already built into the line, though. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, 
for instance, if I'm going to look at the over-unders on the favorites in the division, I think I would just rather bet those teams to win the division outright. At, like, you know, laying, even if like the bills are laying <clears throat> one to two odds, you know, it's minus 200. I would rather bet on that than an actual win total because it, you at least leave yourself some out with some outs with that. Whereas if the whole division is weaker, the bills can still win under 12 games and still win that division. Right. So, yeah. um, it is something to at least think about I, I, with the over-unders. I typically look down the board a little bit towards teams um, that I think are going to overperform, but aren't necessarily good enough to win their division. Um, so that's kind of where I look with these, um, the, the, that sort of second, third tier of teams um, that maybe it's not sexy to bet them, but there is value, potential value there. Yeah, I think that's the right approach and, and kind of how we laid out this conversation heading into the recording here. One more question, because you're a big fantasy guy. You're a big DFS guy. You've been doing that for a lot of years. And I think that's only exp- you know, expedited with the, the, the gambling stuff. What about breakout players? How much does that get into the back of your mind as you're sitting here looking at some of these numbers? I know you do that quite a bit. You know, even some of these rookies, some of these guys that just got drafted are, and will be thrown into the fire, like a Drake London in Atlanta, who's literally the number one wide receiver there. You know, possibly Chris Olave with New Orleans. How much do these new weapons, and, and certainly the quarterback position as well, factor into you saying, look, they, they're going to steal a win or two because this guy's here now or this guy's going to have this season? Personally, I don't factor that too much into like specific examples or bets, I don't think. I mean, the, it really, in the overall context of the NFL season, in a 17-game sample size, the variance is so high. Um, you know, like even, even the wins and losses, the variance is so high where, um, you know, you'll see these teams that uh, a team with 12 wins finish with like seven of those wins as a one point score. Now, if those, if it just variance hits and the next year, they, that number regresses a little bit that, that can easily go from a 12 win team to a nine an eight or nine win team and yeah. with very few changes. So um, like in, in terms of like looking at, I, I think like what you're trying to say is like, look at Traylon Burks and is this guy going to win them two more games and maybe, you know, the public perceives, I don't like to like pigeonhole it quite like that. Instead, I just look at the broader context of, of breakout, like an mm-hmm. accumulation of breakout players and say, well, there's some depth here that people aren't really attracted to. Um, but I still think this guy is a good player or this group of guys mm-hmm. is a better better group than than the public kind all of right so that's a great transition to, to to dive into the middle of the pack here because I, I think a lot of people look at what the raiders did and it was loud right and, and a lot of big names and they kept a lot of their own players as well which got thrown into that conversation but they're just in the division of hell right i mean i mean is that a team at eight and a half that is just priced perfectly or do you believe dan that first of all nobody should ever bet this division it's just too good right I, you want to take a flyer on uh, on the Raiders being the best team or the Chiefs being the worst team? I'm all for that because to me, this is a complete toss-up. But how do you handle something so loaded, even though a team like Las, Las Vegas put in so much this offseason? And I guess Denver to some degree as well because of the, the quarterback change. Uh, yeah, I mean, you kind of laid it right out. I, I, I'm not touching this, yeah. to be honest with you. Um, I do like... 
me and you are probably higher on Vegas and um, I, I'm really high on the chargers, but still it's, it's going to be a dogfight division between, you know, all four teams there. I really don't want to get involved in trying to figure out um, mm-hmm. who is going to be the best one. But if you do create a narrative around the fact that you think that the Raiders will be the best team, then you can certainly form you know a bunch of bets around that, that concept. I just, I, I think there's enough uncertainty in other divisions um, with uh, less volume of talented teams that I I would prefer to look elsewhere than than really trying to guess who's you know how the how all four teams are gonna you're you're almost parlaying all four these teams are all competitive so you're almost making a four team parlay that how you think the division is gonna go versus like maybe. Uh, NFC East where you're really just kind of focused on the Eagles and the Cowboys versus the rest of the division yeah. where you really don't think that they're contenders. So, so, so um, yeah, I just want to stay away from that division. So here, I'll just try to stick to it with, for one more point. If we look at last year's standings, the division that was closest from one to four was the AFC North. Bengals won it with 10 wins. Cleveland and Baltimore were tied for last, tied for third with eight wins. So the, the, the most wins on the last place team in a division was eight. And the winner of that division had 10. So if, if we can sort of extrapolate that division into this division, right, this AFC West, is there a world? Is eight and a half too high for, for, the, for what could be the last place team in this division? Isn't it? Yeah, and that's sort of what, like, it's pretty clear one team is going to probably finish with like a, you know, six or seven, only right. six or seven. I think wins, the odds but, would say six or seven. That's right, Dan. Yeah. Right. So I think just looking at these, I mean, like I just the chiefs, the Broncos, the chargers are mm-hmm. like three of the top 10 teams here in terms of win total. So um, yeah, they could, that division could come out with more wins than any other division, but um, man, I, I don't, I, I'm just not wagering anything on it. That's for sure. Okay. Um, some nine win teams and we'll get to the, a, a specific division in a second, but you and I already have a bet on under San Francisco. We did it a while ago. It has really nothing to do with anything, but the quarterback play for me. I mean, I, I think there's a lot of unrest in that team. I think losing the offensive coordinator is more important than people want to give credit to. I think there's too much in Kyle Shanahan's lap right now. The number sits at 10 right now. We got it way lower than that, but the number sits at 10. With Seattle being Seattle, with Matthew Stafford's elbow situation, with everything going on, where are you? Are you still all good on San Francisco under right now? Or do you think they're going to creep into this conversation? (laughs) So uh, I am still very comfortable. I really think the Rams are like pretty easily the favorite. Now, two caveats to that. If we're wrong, I think we're going to be wrong in a big way. And I think the Niners, like if Trey Lance is good, I think he's going to be very good. It, like if that hits, it's going to hit in a big way. Um, and I, I just, think I, I'm, I just don't I'm, have confidence that it's going to all happen this year. Right. Like, especially the writing fine for a week or two weeks, but you know, but it's just so rare that a guy comes out of the gate and is the division favorite. You know, I, it's just, right. that's just so rare. Right. And the fact that he really basically couldn't get on the field at at any cost last year, even with an injured Jimmy Garoppolo for the most part. So, um, I mean, he did get on the field, but you know what I'm trying to say? He wasn't, he didn't like catch lightning in a bottle and just steal the job by any. So, um, 
Yeah, I, I, I tend to I tend to agree with you. I think a lot of people just like think the continuity is going to be there. Now, he's an ultra talented quarterback. Now, if it translates, that's that's to be determined. So I tend to want to see it first, but that's not really the most efficient way to bet all the time. Now, and the other side of that is like these Matthew Stafford arm concerns. Like if that were to creep up at any point in the year, I think, you know, the Rams could have a, a little, you know, Van Jefferson went down. They're kind of thin yeah. at wide receiver all of a sudden. So I'm not as comfortable as I was two years ago or sorry, two weeks ago um, betting that. But I, I I don't like love the Niners any more than I did two weeks ago either. So it's sort of a toss up here for me now. Does Arizona deserve to be that far away in this division? I mean, eight and a half. With the quarterback, you know, the second highest quarterback contract in the history of, of the game. Uh, you know, they did acquire a wide receiver who might go to jail. <laughs> they have another wide receiver who's missing six weeks. So I, I get that point of it. They're going to be able to run the ball, I think. They just extended their left tackle. So there's clearly some continuity there. Are, do they deserve to be an eight and a half win team? Mm. That, one's, that one's starting to, to, to teeter to over for me pretty easily. Yeah, it's probably the one of the better values. Um, right. Like, there's a lot of continuity there, but I, maybe we're just kind of all burned out on like hoping that the Cardinals like take that next le- that next step. Um, so that uh, you kind of talked me into it. I probably like that a little bit more than I did. But um, even with the like, Rams like if, being who they were last year, you know, and actually Seattle being certainly a much better facsimile of what they were are right now, Arizona was the team of the of the league for a while. I mean, they were, Kyler was the MVP. This was a real thing 12 months ago to start the season for like eight, eight nine weeks. So to say that they're just going to win every other game and that's it, I, I think that's a little bit of a disservice. It's not like they got, I mean, yes, they lost Chandler Jones and really didn't replace him. So I understand that. But, but you're telling me they're going to drop two to three wins here over an off season, the offseason they just had? I just don't see that. There's, there's not enough substance to say they're going to fall that low and or the teams around them in that division got that much better. I just don't see that. That's not a calculation for me. Yeah, I I actually kind of like that, like as like a fade recency bias. I mean, there's a lot of negative mm-hmm. attention around that team right now, um, which kind of leads the public to not want to be betting on them in any positive context. So, um, yeah, I, I sort of like that. If we're gonna ding the the Rams and you know say that <clears throat> we don't really love the Niners, like somebody has to emerge there. Right. So, um, why, why not them? Yeah. I kind of like that. Cincinnati 10, Baltimore, nine and a half. Baltimore's over is the worst value bet you can make right now. Minus one fifty. tied with the bears under minus one (laughs) fifty. Um, in other words, Vegas thinks that's going to happen so much. They don't want you to touch it. So if Baltimore's going to win 10 games, what's happening with the Bengals? Mm. It's, I don't know. I don't know, Mike. I mean, I mean there's some serious I disrespect here for Cincinnati and have been all offseason. Is it deserved? Uh, see, I'm not like a total believer in them, which I'm going to kind of stick my foot in my mouth because I'm now going to say that like, 
maybe that win total is a little bit disrespectful, but uh-huh. um, like, like this is surprising to me, quite honestly, I would have thought that Baltimore would have been a little bit. I, I think the Bengals would have been a little bit more favored than the ball than the Ravens at this point. But um, it seems like so much negative attention around the Ravens. Um, a lot of positive attention coming off of the Super Bowl appearance last year for the Bengals. Um, can, the I, Browns, can I foreshadow a point that we're going to make soon, but I'll make it now? Sure. The Ravens are the favorite to win the AFC North. <laughs> Baltimore has jumped past Cincinnati. Yeah, which is surprising. I, I think that's the point. I, I That is surprising to me because, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to do here. and. I sort of just like don't want any action here either, just because there's so much uncertainty with the, with the Deshaun Watson stuff. And he's not just some quarterback, right? He changes the entire situation on that team from a backup standpoint, from Mm -hmm. how many games he could play to his ancillary pieces. If Amari Cooper can succeed, David Bell, you know, Donovan people, Jones, the running game, all of that. I think it so depends on, the Watson stuff that I, this has been, we've been tracking the division lines here now for like several weeks. And this is the division that is constantly moving. There was some early movement on the lions. There was some early movement on the Eagles. The only consistent division that is almost, that has its odds changed almost every single time I pull it up is this division. And I just like, I'm sure there's some inherent value there, but I just, I don't want to be the one trying to figure it out. Can Cleveland win the division if it's a six-week suspension? No, I, that's the thing. I, I don't. I just. I don't see it happening. Okay, even if he gets eleven weeks, you say no. Yeah, I think it's too much. I, I think it's too yeah. much to overcome at that point. Yeah. Okay. So, so no matter what, because it sounds like it's going to be more. I, I would put my money on ten. So you think even if it stays six, they're still out. So they're they're a non-factor. In fact, maybe they're. The only factor they have is supplying wins to the rest of this division. Um, okay. The, the Bengal stuff is crazy fascinating to me. Unbelievably fascinating to me because this is the perfect, I mean, I mean, the people that do content with this league, they love this stuff because this is a really good underdog. Joe Burrow MVP stuff is going to be super tasty for a lot of these people that do this for a living. You know what I mean? Because... They're just sitting there for the having. And, and look, the, the contract, the numbers side of me says Lamar is the bet all day here. All day. He's, he's in the contracts discussions. He's sitting there. He's had good numbers. He he's, was an MVP three years ago, right? He is sitting there. This is, this is his division to have right now. So I, I don't know that I'm touching an over-under, but if I can get decent division odds on either of these two teams, I'm just going to throw money at it because I think it's going to be a slugfest and Cleveland and Pittsburgh are such non-factors. We believe that you, you, you bet the teams that have less teams involved, right? And if these two teams, and we're going to say the same thing about what Indian Tennessee to some degree, right? The other two teams are basically non-factors, even though Jacksonville's starting to get some play that those are just that that's where you have to throw your money early off in the preseason. So I, I love either of these teams. I look at Cincinnati's weapons, and I know that probably shouldn't matter. That's kind of the fantasy discussion. But wh- why would we believe anything in Baltimore right now offensively? Honestly, outside of the fact that Lamar has to do it this year for money purposes. Has to. He has to figure it out, and I think he will. 
they traded away their their first wide receiver and didn't replace him. They, they're simply going to do it from within. Their their running backs are phenomenal and extremely versatile, but they none of them have been healthy for three years. Why would we trust that? Do you have an answer to that, or do, or are you just saying, look, if the cards fall the right way, they're going to win ten games? Um, no, I, I, yeah, that, I, <clears throat> you laid it out perfectly. I don't really think I need to add too much on that. I. One of the team, one of those teams is more likely to emerge, and mm-hmm. I, I don't, I'm not confident it's going to be either one of them. I think they, there are major question marks, but to kind of play into that, I know you totally ruled out the Steelers, but it's probably they're probably my favorite long shot on the board because of the the kind of up in the air variables you laid out there. Like, fair. I know it's Mitch Trubisky. I get it, but they still have really good offensive weapons. They still have a good defense. Mike Tomlin always gets more, you know, overperformance out of his players. I think if there is sort of a vacuum that needs to be filled in that division, I think the Steelers are the team that surprises people. Now they're, they're plus nine fifty to win almost 10 to one odds. Yeah. That's why I'm, I'm just throwing it out there of all the long shot division winners in the league. I think that one is my favorite that like, I'm just looking at like to our earlier point of like, I don't have a specific breakout player, but I want to look at the overall context of that team. Um, you know, if Mitt, it sounds like Mitch Trubisky is going to be the starter there. Mm-hmm. Um, you have two good receiver, two really good wide receivers in a sta- like a young established tight end, a really good running back, a solid defense, a good coaching a very staff. Good like, yeah, it's, it's a very all good right defense. there. It's all right and, there. And by so. the way, you know what that sounds like? It sounds like Mitch Trubisky's last Bears team in 2020. All of that was there with Allen Robinson, with the tight end situation, with the defense, and he won eight games that year. And with <laughs> a t- and with maybe the worst coaching staff. Uh, the, yes. the co- that was the big change there is yeah. he, you know, the perceived coaching staff there kind of set him back. So yeah, I I mean I'm not I'm not Steelers guy by any means, but um. Especially if the Deshaun situation is 10, 12, a full year. Pittsburgh then vaults up big time, right? So you get him now at seven, in my opinion. Not division, but you get him at seven, over seven, right? Yeah, so that's that's two. I didn't even, the whole thing here is over-unders, and I'm talking about division for them. But you're absolutely right. Maybe they, they can probably get over seven if things fall correctly, yeah. so. Okay. I like it. I like it. Even though that schedule is pretty strong, but I I like it a lot. Uh, AFC South. Is it Indy? And are they going to win more than 10? Because that's the number. So, yeah, I think it's starting to love Jacksonville a little bit. Well, yeah, they're probably my second favorite long shot on the board, but I do like Indy a lot. Um, And uh, and I say that I say that with the mindset that this is a two division race or uh, sorry, a two team race with the Colts and the Titans. And I am way down, way down on the Titans. So, um, yes, I like the Colts. I'm way down on the Titans. And again, like the Steelers, if there's a vacuum in that division, um, to be filled, it's going to be, I, I like Jacksonville quite a bit. I think, New coaching staff is a huge upgrade. And I think Trevor Lawrence is like not some scrub he's no. being discounted as um, you have Travis Etienne coming back. You add it, you know, they spent in free agency, whether it was wise or not, I'll let you 
<laughs> yeah. I'll let you paint that picture. But I mean, at least they're trying, they have pieces in place. Um, I think there's some potential upside there, but yeah, I think the Colts are pretty much the favorite. I mean, well-coached team with Frank Reich, a lot of offensive weapons. Now you add Matt Stafford who, yes, he's not vintage Matt Stafford, but he is maybe the perfect game manager to take over that offense. Um, so Matt yeah, Ryan, right. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> Matt Ryan. <laughs> Matt Ryan. Um, Cincinnati went from four wins to 10 wins from 2020 to 2021. And it was a healthy Joe Burrow and some great weapons. Is that not what we're about to see here with Jacksonville? Can they go three to nine? Interesting. In this division? Um, I, I mean, why the hell not, right? Yeah, potentially, right. I mean, and the Colts games, like they're not gonna. The way they win is not gonna be by just like throttling you, right? So I, right. In close games, I think some of these other teams can hang. I mean, Houston, even we saw they they surprised a lot of teams last year. So to totally rule them out that they can't sneak a couple more wins than we're expecting here. Um, can I can I, I dive even deeper? I think Jacksonville's deficiency is the secondary, and everybody knows it. They just didn't. They ran out of cash, right? They ran out of opportunities. They ran out of bodies who wanted to join them this year and, and they drafted accordingly, but it's going to take some time for that to mature. So that's their, that's their weakness. Are Matt Ryan and Ryan Tannehill going to go over the top on that, on Jacksonville? Do you think they're worried about that? <laughs> no, yeah, I'm they're worried about Derrick Henry <laughs> and Jonathan Taylor and Jacksonville. Their defensive line got markedly better this offseason. They spent well on the weapons. They drafted well with weapons. They, they did very well offensive line-wise. They had to. And it, they even overpaid Cam Robinson to come back and be basically like a swing tackle. You know what I mean? Like, and then they did the same with the defensive line. They, they stole players. They overpaid players. But they haven't, they haven't, their mindset is, we're not going to let Jonathan Taylor and Derrick Henry go 250 and 2 on us. It's not going to happen. They're going to get their, their numbers, but they're not going to dominate a game against us. I think they're built to compete in this division. I don't think they can win the division. But can they go three to eight? Yeah. Can they go three to nine? Maybe. I, d- I think six and a half is wrong for them in this regard. It's wrong. So I'm taking them over and I'm not even looking back on it. I agree. I got nothing to add. I'm, yeah. we, we're going to do, let's place that one at the they're same the, time. They're the atypical. Um, you can't just look at the name. You can't just look at, you know, the schedule. You have to look at what they did and why they did what they did from a team building standpoint. They have a purpose right now, and their purpose is to not be a three-win team. <laughs> That's they, they, they are not trying to win a Super Bowl. They are being realistic about that. But I, I, I think this is what Cincinnati did last offseason, you know, with Trey Hendrickson and with some of those free agent signings that just went base. It literally vaulted them from worst to first. So I, I think there's, there's room for that. I don't think we can say they're going to win the division because I do believe Indy has the right components. But I don't think Matt Ryan should scare anybody for 450 yards. You know what I mean? Like that, those days are done for him and that's perfectly fine. So uh, they're going to be competitive. They should be third in this division pretty easily, if not right neck and neck with Tennessee, especially if Tennessee starts to sell parts of the deadline, which I have a feeling they might. That, that, that part of the conversation can get in here too as well. Uh, NFC East, Dan. Dallas, are they, are they there because they're Dallas or are they there because they're good? Because 10 wins is too much. It's just too much. Why are they ahead of Baltimore? Why are they ahead of, you know, the schedule is somewhat in their favor at 10th. That's 10th easiest. Um, but, you know, 
Washington and Philly, and they're basically all the same team to me right now on paper. Why, why would Dallas be ahead of the game? Is it Dak? Yeah, I think it's somewhat Dallas being Dallas. Um, mm-hmm. They, um, candidly though, like, okay, it could go really, really wrong there. Don't get me wrong. If this falls a little bit though, and the Eagles keep getting steamed, I, I think I'm going to be maybe in a little bit. I, I, I'm going to come back in because Philly's and, overhyped. May I mean I maybe like this a lot. I, I still really like Philly, but I think Atlanta. I think Dallas was at like. 11 at one point if i'm not mistaken like they they were at least 10 and a half um so that you know that was before the michael gallup stuff um i mean if they make a significant move like a will fuller or something like that um i think the offense still looks really powerful um in a overall pretty weak division we like I really like the Eagles and what they've done, but there is still some uncertainty if Jalen Hurts can, you know, is is like a franchise type quarterback. So if there's any regression there, I think it's basically I'll put it like this. If the Eagles aren't winning the division, it's gotta be the Cowboys, right? I or do you disagree with that? Do you think the the commanders or um let's talk about the it. Giants could surprise people? I don't know. Tell me why mathematically. And, and this is coming from a few different sources, and one of them being Warren Sharp, who I know you, you trust quite a bit in terms of what his analytics say. Tell me why the New York Giants have the easiest schedule in football in a division where Dallas is supposed to win 10, Philly is supposed to win 9.5, right? And the Giants are supposed to finish last in their division. So tell me how there's all these divisional games against Dallas, Philly, and Washington but mathematically speaking, the Giants have the easiest schedule, the number one schedule in football. To me, that is screaming the rest of this division isn't going to be as good as we all think it is. Right. And the Giants can benefit from that if, because well, they're home, because they're you know, not going back-to-backs, what, what, whatever it is. They're not going Thursday to Sundays and things like that. That's all factored in here. But the, the math is 100% in their favor. Now, I know it's Daniel Jones and it's, you know, Saquon Barkley's ACL and, I, and, you know, a couple of wide receivers who kind of quit on the team last year. But I don't think they can win the division, but there is clearly something saying, look at this team more. And by the way, it could be the coaching staff too. Yeah, and I mean, I'm like browsing the schedule. It's, it, it's pretty weak. It's so, nice, right? Um, it's, it's nice. It's a really good point to, to, to make. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, does it, is, is it worth a damn when it comes to putting your money down? Probably not. But it, it gives me more pause with a team like Dallas. Let me put it that way. You know what I mean? Like, are the Giants going to be one of those annoying teams that steals a random huge game against the Dallas or against the Philly that ruins their wild card chances or whatever it's going to be? Probably, most likely, because they're going to start co- playing themselves into a lot of confidence. And you know what Brian Dable can do, creatively speaking. You know he's probably going to improve that situation for, for Daniel Jones. Maybe not enough to keep him. But I just think this is... Let me put it this way. Couldn't this very well be that eight and eight Bears Trubisky team? Right. You know what I mean? That just yeah. spoiled a bunch of, of other teams' records late in the year. Not enough to, to really keep the team intact, but but just enough to be, you know, middling dangerous. That that's what it feels like to me. So I'm a slight over on the Giants, but I just think they're gonna be spoilers because of that schedule. And I'm staying away from Dallas at ten because of it. I just think I, I do like that quite a bit. Um but it's just going to be another blah year out of this division overall. Bunch of eight, seven, eight, nine team 
win teams and we'll uh, go on with our lives from there. Tampa Bay, 11 and a half. You're fine. Lost their starting center. Mike Evans just left practice with a hamstring injury. Chris Godwin's coming off an ACL injury. No Gronk. Lost a, a big safety in, in Jordan Whitehead. There's a lot more turnover here than I think people understand, or at least inconsistencies. This is not running it back last year. This is not the Rams doing what the Rams can do over the past two to three years. To me, and by the way, Brady just turned 45, which has to be at least accounted for. You love this team as tied with the Bills for the best win projections in football? This, I mean, there's, I, I'm a little uneasier after you lay all that out, <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> no, I no, but I mean <laughs> realistically though, the division, I mean, the division yeah. is the division. Um, okay. The Saints, new coaching staff, is Jameis good? Do the weapons even fit Jameis? Like those are legitimate questions. How does Baker land in Carolina, sure. you know, uh, Atlanta, there's a ton of uncertainty there. So, um, I think a lot of this is just like betting on Tom Brady, regardless of whether there's injuries or weapons, he gets it done. We've seen plenty of track record on that. So um, I'm not even like really concerned about um, those variables at the, at the current time. So I, you know, despite being super high, I see, I see validity as to why it would be there. You know, of the eight divisions in 2021, Dan, how many of the division winners won more than 11 and a half games? Um, what? One? Six. Oof. Six. Oh, yeah. We have a 17-game schedule, so. So if you love Buffalo and you love Tampa Bay, those are priced exactly correctly. And you should just take the over and make the 40 cents on the dollar and go from there. Um. Let's talk about the bottom feeders real quick, and then we'll switch over to the divisions. Because if I do the opposite, if I look at the losers in each division last year, okay, four, eight, three, seven, four, three, five, seven. A lot of fours, a couple of threes, a couple in the middle of the pack. Is Atlanta trying to win a single game this year? Oh, yeah, I think they'll... I agree. I, I agree. Think... They're, I think they'll surprise people in that division too. I mean, we really have no idea how those bottom three teams are going to shake out and it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, if but let's any think about them... it from how I referenced that question. The, are, are they trying to get a quarterback in the draft next year or are they actually trying to progress? Oh, good question. Yep. Um, I'm trying to say I, it without saying the T word. Yeah, I think they, <laughs> I think they set themselves up to at least have both in play, right? I mean, uh-huh. if it if Mariota is fine and that's the in, the offense they want to install with the young quarterback, you know, in following years, I, it, it perhaps it works. Now, if they lose every game and they're in prime position to take another franchise quarterback, I don't think they would pass up that opportunity. Do you? Like, are they so committed there no. to those guys? No, that, they'll right? take they'll take the Bryce Young if they have if they can get him or the CJ Stroud. There's no question about it. Um, if they try, can they win six games? Oh, yeah, I think no. No, no. They got yeah, a lot I'd of great no. players. It's a lot of there's a lot of great fantasy you know action to love there. But I think the defensive side of the ball is not only bad now but going to get worse. I think they're going to flat out release some players. And and right. that will and be the nail in the coffin. 
Yeah, and they're in ca- yeah, they're kind of in cap hell, right? If I'm not mistaken, like yeah, that. This is it's this a big is like purge the really the turnover year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, um, that's a really good point, by the way. That you got to factor that in. They're they're thinking that right now. They they understand who they are right now from a, a business standpoint. Um, but look, I think at the same time they're going to try to progress offensively. They're going to see if Mariota can do this. They're going to see if Desmond Ritter was a guy. They're going to try a lot of different things offensively. So I think they are going to sneak maybe three or four wins out, maybe even five, and push on this. But they're going to lose games because they're just going to get outscored. That's all. They're going to score points and get outscored 85% of the season. So I think that's the right way to evaluate them. How do you evaluate this question with Houston? Because I've, I've kind of pinged you on this a couple times now. Uh, there's some serious Davis Mills love happening here. And I don't just think it's like training camp guy getting in front of Twitter and you know trying to put some content out there. I, I'm seeing some, some Davis Mills is Kirk Cousins conversation i i like him personally and i think he's probably better than we all gave him credit Mm -hmm. for um i don't i mean like let's say he has a nice year but they still win a ton of games that could be more of a situation where you then trade him to a team that is closer to winning like the colt like the colts this past year who were on the hunt for an established quarterback maybe I mean, or maybe he just blows the doors off and they just know he's the guy and then they can pick, you know, a different player at the top of the draft next year. But um, I you, think he's good, but they won't win a bunch of games. Okay, so do you think this sense. is the worst team in football as Vegas has it right now? Yeah, I think pretty okay. clearly. I mean, they have, they've had no draft capital. They've even prior when they did have draft capital, it was all mismanaged, terrible coaching. Like they're years in the hole and they need to start piecing it back together. And I think like, Davis Mills being competent last year caught literally everybody <laughs> off guard, including the organization. So, so you, um, you think they're going to showcase him to trade him? Well, I don't think necessarily. I just think it would leave them in a good spot where if they're at the top of the draft and have access to what they think is a franchise quarterback and they're mm. not like totally in love with Davis Mills, but think he's like a competent, you know, maybe where Jacksonville was with Gardner Minshew before he just like imploded in the second half of the year. He was set. They were sort of setting up or, or like, uh, like a Jalen Hurts situation where like the Eagles could have been in position this year for a quarterback and they just rolled with Hurts. Like they, if Mills proves that he's solid, but not like a franchise guy, I think it at least leaves them open to, they can go down the road with him. Or if they're in position to grab a franchise quarterback, they should absolutely do that and not let like, you know, purgatory get to them. But are the Seattle Seahawks trying to win games in 2022? Probably, and they shouldn't, but I, well, I mean, they have to be, right? I mean, they just signed, I don't know, Mike, what are they doing? You tell me. Yeah, I do have a take on this. Um, I think they're looking around that division. Now, obviously, they're not idiots. They've, they've known this for 18 months that this was coming. Um, they've been trying to trade Russell Wilson for, I think, four years. I'm not joking. I, I think there's been disconnect for four years, and we finally got to this spot. And Tyler Lockett had a huge bonus that kicked in. And Jamal Adams had so, so much cost in, t- in ter- terms of the trade that they had to sign him. And yeah, they're stuck in a couple of spots. But you know what they didn't do? Is try to rush this thing back together. At all. <laughs> right? Yeah, they signed DK. And they gave him a huge signing bonus. So they're going to have to keep him for two years. I don't think there's any 
problem with that because you know what they don't have to do? And I know this is terrible. They don't have to throw the ball. They don't have to. They're going to start Geno Smith. You know, I know they lost Chris Carson to, to the career ending injury, but they brought back Penny. They got a couple of guys, Homer, right? There's, there's a couple of guys who you like. Kenneth Walker, they drafted, which is the most Seattle pick ever. I think they're going to run the hell of a ball. And by the way, Pete Carroll wants to anyway. So if he's been instructed, you know, wink, wink, hey, man, go do, do your thing this year, right? Let Geno Smith cook because that ain't going to work. And then let, you know, let your running game do its thing with basically no offensive line still. I, I think there's a very real chance this is the worst team in football. And I'm not joking. And by the way, it's the exact right move. I said this the second Russell Wilson was traded. It's the exact right move because I think Bryce Young might be the next Russell Wilson. <laughs> and, and if Carroll's been on the horn with Saban and, and saying, hey, man, you know, what, what's this guy look like in the locker room? If he's already got that stuff figured out and John Schneider as well, I, why, why even push? Because this division is going to swallow them you know, without even them trying, really. So I, I do think this is the team that is going to just completely turn over on their head come week six and just shut it down. And I don't think it's going to be that hard, even though they got a couple of contracts on that roster. Yeah, I agree. I think they are in a mess of a situation um, and not at all set up to, to win anything this year. So I agree there. Yeah, I just hope they're smart about it because that's a team that when that team is good, it's fun. It's just one of those teams you like to watch on TV. It's the uniforms, it's the stadium. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're better in prime time. They're going to have to change that coaching staff eventually here because I wasn't really joking about Pete Carroll's stuff. It's, it's outdated, and it only works to a certain degree. So if they're going to bring in a young gun. They're going to have to put, bring in a coach that can actually establish that a little bit. But to me, it's a, it's a really step backwards year for Seattle. Let's talk divisions real quick, man. How confident are you in Buffalo, 1 to 10? Um, 10. 10. No yeah, chance 10. Miami and everything they just did even gets close. Um, I mean, I think Josh Allen would have to take a major step back, like to like pre career mm-hmm. perception levels, like to not, I mean, they're just loaded in every aspect of the ball. I mean, like, yeah, if Micah Hyde is out longer term or, you know, one of the, you know, Jordan Poyer's contract stuff lingers, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Things can kind of start to fall fast, but, um, I just like, I, I would be more scared if I believe more in Tua. Let me, let me just put it that way. And I'm not even dogging Tua. I just don't think he's like, as is a guy who is ready to, to like make that leap. So. Doesn't concern you that there's no left, left guard currently that they changed offensive coordinators. No. And usually I know off, off air, we've discussed this, that that's typically like, continuity is huge for me. And typically I like, I have been wanting to see Josh Allen without Brian Dable in mm-hmm. like a selfish way. Cause I, I kind of want to see how he performs, but um, Ken Dorsey has been there for a number of years. It's going to be a similar situation. I'm sort of excited to see a fresh mind who is, has attachments to the previous um, mm-hmm. offensive, you know, regime, if you will. So I, I it doesn't concern me as much as it typically, typically would in different situations. It's not like a wholesale change there. I think a lot of the same packages and um, processes will be, be kept. So AFC South India is the favorite. Will they be upset? Um, no, I have now if car, if um, Carson Wentz was still there, I would say yes, yeah. but as is, I think Matt Ryan 
um, is was kind of the perfect quarterback to drop into that situation on a run first team with weapons. I, yeah, you just said it. I, I liked it. Yeah. We're talking so much about the quarterback change. We have, we have got to talk more about Jonathan Taylor. We have to, he deserves it. <laughs> okay. He is that kind of freak athlete, freak running back. He could carry that team for 10 weeks and he did last year and he, and he can do it again. Um, yeah, they're going to win AFC West. I don't even know how to frame this question. I guess because Kansas City's the betting favorites, are they going to win the division? How else do I ask this? Yeah, I this I'll regret it, but I'm still stubborn. I'm I'm a Chargers guy this year. I think I think this is going to be like a half step back year for the Chiefs. I still think they're offensively they are going to be fine despite the turnover, but um, it's going to be a little bit more lean on Travis Kelsey. Hope. CEH is like a good running back and that sky more and, you know, uh, you know, McCole Hardman, these other guys kind of escalate their, um, their production a little bit. What so, is it uh, about Denver that is making us think it won't be the Rams situation? Mm. Are we just fatigued on that process now with Brady and Stafford and now Russ? Are we just, is it just not a good storyline anymore? So they've been kind of, sw- you know, squashed. Because I look at that team and I love it. And I don't even mind the Tim Patrick injury so much from a, a roster standpoint. It stinks, but I feel like that's a hole they can fill. I, I, to be totally honest, Mike, I'm probably under, like I'm probably incorrectly under on Denver and I really can't put my thumb on why. I, I guess what I'm um, saying is I think a lot of people are. Yeah. Is it because but, Russ but the didn't betting look great market and everything, And that's what I, I can't get my thumb off of it. Um, I, I just can't get my mind, my mind around like what is exactly holding me up on it because like the the thing we've loved about new England in the past is they can beat you any way they can run the ball 50 times a game down your throat, or they've historically been able to running, uh, run and gun and outscore you. Now the, this team is sort of set up for that. They have two tight ends who can catch the ball. Russ can toss it around if he needs to, we've seen him in a run first. They have Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams, like all the pieces are there that like, I can't figure out why I don't love them more. Maybe it's just because I think the chargers have the best roster in the league. And I want to see that finally come to fruition, but uh, yeah, I I, hack it. Yeah, maybe. I I don't know. And that's probably not even fair. I guess, I guess to just put a bow on the whole division talk, I, I think there's enough there with both the chargers and the Broncos that, it leaves me a little uneasy to just assume KC is going to be the KC we've come to come to know in the past, you know? I mean, none of the odds are good enough to bet, you know, any of these teams we're talking about, it's a total stay away unless you want to take a shot at the Raiders at six and a half to one, which to me isn't still isn't good enough to a division. Um, but the Denver stuff's really interesting. I, I, I think the, I think the, the coaching change in addition to everything else you just mentioned is what's different. Now I know Bruce Arians kind of got brought into the, the Tampa Bay situation, and, but I, I just don't even feel comfortable comparing anybody to Brady. <laughs> is that, you know, I, we've just been burned so many times trying to do this and trying to compare and blah, blah, blah. But so much changed in Denver uh, above, you know, just the normal roster, including, by the way, the owner tomorrow is, is about to change. So I, to me, there's just too much moving parts, too many moving parts to think that dropping Matt Stafford into Sean McVay's literal, you know, refined system 
can just happen in Denver. There is no refined system. It's literally happening as they go. They're literally building it together as they go. So to think it, it, it can just walk into the field in this ridiculous division and just work, to me, I guess that's my reservation. It's just there's not, there's not, a, there's not much stability. And unless Russ can really find it immediately and then roll with it, I, I don't know if he's that player anymore, I guess, is, is where my reservations are. I, I would not bet Kansas City to win the division. I, I do think they're at least a step back. I would bet Baltimore. Yeah, I'm fine there. I think we laid that yeah. one out. I don't know what to do there, but I do. Yeah. My deep, my default is definitely the Ravens. Yeah. One to 10 green Bay in the NFC North. Yeah. So this is actually the one thing mm-hmm. left. I kind of, we haven't discussed that. I wanted to touch on, um, man, I like the Vikings a lot this year. Um, I, we've talked in the past about how I like the Detroit lions much more than people or the in past years, but um, the Jared Goff is experiment there still leaves me wanting um, more before I start putting my money where my mouth is. I think the Vikings are set up to make a huge jump this year. Um, we've gotten accustomed to the Mike Zimmer running mm-hmm. first. Um, they have a new coach from the Sean, Kevin O'Connell comes from the Sean McVay tree. It sounds like they want to, throw it a whole lot more. Uh, there's a ton of continuity on offense. You return all three, your quarterback, all three starting wide receivers. You have both running backs coming back. Um, I, I, again, I think there's enough of a step back there in green Bay. Um, you know, especially the Adams thing, it, the, the anchor we keep coming back to in prior years, like despite the lack of personnel moves in green Bay was always, Rodgers and Adams, Rodgers and Adams, right? Well, now that's no longer there. And we have to, we have to like assume that that's going to pick up with like these other guys that they got. Um, if there's a vacuum in that division, I think it's the, the Vikings that back it. I like that team a lot. Okay. Rams. Uh, Rams. I'll give them a, I'll give them a six. Yeah. Um, that was probably a seven, eight, not long ago, but, um, as we kind of get into it a little bit, I'm a, just a little bit concerned. Super Bowl hangover, that kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. It is a good division, other than the Seahawks too. So um, I don't, I don't want to be blind to those other teams there. Uh, the Allen Robinson stuff is going to be underrated. It's going to be underrated. I think he has been dying to get into an offense that works for him, and Chicago was simply not that. Uh, I expect if he's healthy to really cook in that thing. I mean, really cook. Yeah. There's a pretty solid shot that he could have better numbers than Cooper cup. I know that probably sounds like blasphemy right now, but um, there's a non-zero chance that it's just him. You know, it could have been Robert Woods last year um, that had the connection with Matt Stafford. So I, I I think I like that a lot. Alan Robertson, Alan Robinson is set up for a monster. Big year. Tampa Bay one to 10. Mm, 10. Yeah. All right. You're there. And then that NFC East, it's kind of a toss-up, right? I think you like Dallas because a lot of people are starting to not like Dallas. Is that the right way to assess it? Probably. And I do like the Eagles, just for the record. But um, if they're going to get steamed on, like, all this perceived, you know, improvement, then, like, I think they got better, no doubt. But I I don't think, like, A.J. Brown is, you know, if people think A.J. Brown is going to be the A.J. Brown that we saw in spurts in in Tennessee, I, I think that's going to be a little bit of a letdown. It's more of just going to be like a spread it out offense run first still. B- Bingo. Um, Thank you. You know, they you still have three a lot legitimate of running backs who cannot stay healthy. And if they do, 
why, why would they have to run the offense through Jalen Hurts? You know what I mean? I understand all the upgrades were in the passing game, but that that's a run first team and they should remain that way in my opinion. So I, I'm with you there, but I, I, I don't trust it in one year. That's a two year project to me, I, that, in my opinion, but uh, Dallas by default for me. Okay. Last, last conversation. We'll get you out of here. Um, the MVP stuff. I have, I have it all framed out in basically the same discussions we've been having here, which is, um, I gave you the last 15 MVPs, what position they played, spoiler, and what rank in the division their team was when they won the MVP. Okay. There's a lot of ones. <laughs> okay. The only, in the last 15 years, the MVP was, was only was second in their division twice. Peyton Manning in 2008 for the Colts, Adrian Peterson in 2012 for the Minnesota Vikings when Rodgers got him. Uh, those are the only MVPs that not win their division. So we just had the division talk. I kind of know where your head is now. Buffalo's obviously up there, so Josh Allen being the favorite should not surprise you. Patrick Mahomes is the number two odds to win the MVP. Neither of us think the Chiefs are going to win the division. Does that take him off the list for you? Or is the story, yeah. is the story of losing Tyreek Hill too good? Because that's a part of this. I mean, if, if he's, if he, if the Chiefs are the Chiefs of, you know, previous years and they look as good as they have, then yeah, I think it's pretty easy that he wins right. the MVP. Uh, if he makes MVF, MVS look like a true WR1, he's going to win the damn thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. We don't, actually, we do think the Chargers are going to win that division. Justin Herbert's nine to one right now. That's got to be a pretty sexy bet, though, for a lot of people, right? Yeah, he's definitely one of the front runners. I think people still think he has another step forward to take, even though he's been incredible his first two years in the league. So, yeah, I like, um, I like him. Same conversation with Aaron Rodgers as we just had with Mahomes, right? Only a lot older possibly retiring after this year, just lost his longtime WR1. Why wouldn't he go back to back to back? Yeah, he certainly could. It's, it's set up for him again. I mean, he's, you could argue he's won it in previous years because of the lack of supporting cast around him and the numbers he's put up. So um, yeah, he's certainly in play as well. Yeah. Okay. Last one. I'm going to give you all the, all the players on this list. And I've got, I think, what, about 20 here? The top 20 MVP odds whose, whose current team are projected to win their division. Okay? So they got a one next to the division rank right now. I'll start at the bottom. Can Cooper Cup win the MVP? Um, yeah, I think there's maybe, maybe two or three receivers I think could win the MVP. He's probably one of them. Yeah. And by the way, Justin Jefferson's not even on this list. Yeah, he's, he's not the even other, in the top 20. He's the other one and not to like jump ahead of you here, but like, I know my favorite down the board long shot MVP is probably Kirk cousins. And I, I know I already laid out Minnesota, but I think if that's a run and gun offense, he's at um, 5,000 plus 5,000, you know, 50 to one odds. I, I like that a lot. So you think it would go to cousins instead of Justin Jefferson? Obviously. I mean, the quarterback, it's just very gets high, it, yeah, but, but you know what yeah, I mean? Like almost, Je Jefferson is polarizing enough. Right. And he's a true alpha and could easily command enough, uh, you know, enough mm -hmm. there to, to win the MVP. But 
Um, yeah, just typically I see it going through the quarterback before the wideout. But yeah, there's there, those are the two guys I really feel confident that could win the MVP. Uh, Can Jonathan Taylor? Uh, I just don't see it in a running back at this point. No. Really? So then you're saying not Lamar Jackson either? Easy, easy. <laughs> um, <laughs> Lamar Jackson has my money right now. The fact that he's still 20 to one, even after all this stuff, he has my money right now. Yeah, you'll never get him lower than that. That's for sure. That's right. Um, he's the right pick. I think, I think Baltimore can really do some damage, even though I, I don't understand the offense at all. But from a value standpoint, he's going to be my pick right now. I, I, I love the Kirk Cousins stuff out of you. I love it. Um, I think there's a lot of people that want to see Green Bay lose right now. <laughs> and they may not win that division, but he may have just an ungodly year with Justin Jefferson. He may. I don't know what other weapons can really step up in that offense. Thielen's kind of on the backside of things, but um, why not? Those two get together and just have another massive, massive year, and it actually turns into something from a team standpoint as well. Anything else, man? Any other sleepers down the list that maybe aren't even here? Mm. I mean, Burrow's 12-1. to 1. That's pretty damn good. You know, like I said, just the, uh, the disrespect for Cincinnati is pretty crazy still, even with the rest of that division so weird right now. Yeah, not really. I mean, I like Lamar. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly though, I don't, I'm not a believer in many other, like I, I just don't see it in a running back wide receivers. It's so thin. And then quarterbacks, I think we've laid out, you know, the situations uh, that kind of are set up for um, it, it, guys. It, I mean, maybe, maybe like Derek Carr, Trevor Lawrence. Okay. Those kind of guys. Can it be, can it be Trevor Lawrence? If they win, I nine, mean, yeah. If they're, yeah. If they beat, the, if they are gonna win that division for some ungodly reason, then yeah, I think it's almost well, it's, gotta be. Yeah, in that Trevor case, Lawrence, it's definitely so. gonna be him. But what if, what if he just, what if they win nine? Do, does it have yeah, to be yeah. somebody whose team is winning? As I've kind of laid out here with the data, does it have to be right now? Um. Yeah. 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 I think it. Does like, I would too. think you would need such an above water performance like a ceiling performance out of the guy um to be on like a 500 or almost losing team to to win the mvp at this point so matt kirk cousins i did not see you going there but i get the minnesota stuff i really do i think that division is going to be kind of back and forth and i'm not sure green bay is just going to run away with things i love the roster but there's just a lot of reasons to think they could uh, be complacent in certain instances all right, sir. We'll see how it all works out here. Preseason's on its way. Like I said, we started this week. There'll be a lot more this weekend and things like that. And uh, probably some transactions to discuss as well. So we'll have you back soon. Sounds good. Thanks, man. All right, Scott. Sportico recently released their NFL team franchise values. I know you like to track this stuff, kind of keep up with the trends, the ups and downs. General thoughts. Did we, did we go bigger than expected? Yeah, I think so, especially coming out of what happened with the pandemic and, you know, there weren't, wasn't much growth. But I think overall, all the teams had a pretty good amount of growth over the last year. Where, where's the NFL right now in terms of the big four sports? Are they dominating? Yeah, they are by far. I mean, we're seeing the Dallas Cowboys. They topped out the list at $7.64 billion in comparison. The Yankees are at 7 billion, mm. but we're, we saw a, a, a huge jump in the, the top tier of the NFL valuations here. Six teams were over 5 billion mm. last year. Only two were over 5 billion. 
Wow. And, and where, yeah. where, where where's the NBA? I mean, the money's stupid from a player standpoint. Where is the NBA in terms of valuations? Is, is it about the, the $5 billion as well? Yeah, the NBA has two teams over $6 billion. Knicks followed by the Golden State Warriors, and the Lakers were at $5.6 billion. And this is as of December of 2021. So mm-hmm. Warriors may even jump the Knicks with the latest uh, championship. Yeah, let's talk about that. I mean, the Rams win the, win the Super Bowl. Big, big jump for them? Um, yeah, they did. 26% was their jump as opposed to the Dallas Cowboys, like I said, or number one. Their jump was 10%. And the New England Patriots, they only had a 10% and they're at number three. So they had uh, a huge jump uh, with that Super Bowl. That's interesting. So I'm looking at the, the percent changes over the past year here from Sportico. You know, what the heck do the Giants do to deserve 24% increase? I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I thought the same thing. I, I was shocked to see that they were up as much, even the Chicago Bears, too. Now, that's a stadium situation, most likely. But, man, I, yeah, that that is absolutely surprising to me. We'll need some explanations on that down the road. San Francisco's just in a great market. Um, you know, there's a lot of factors there in terms of fandom and things like that and, and season ticket holders. I guess that could be the giant situation as well. Obviously, it's in a huge city. Uh, you're Washington commander, Scott. How, did, how are things going? Uh, they only rose 12%. They're at the bottom of, yeah. you know, teams gained. Uh, they're eighth overall in the, in the overall rankings. They dropped two spots from the previous year. So n- not so good. Uh, you know, they have that, stadium in limbo situation that's going on and then the whole Snyder situation. So it's trending downwards as of right now, even though they did grow. Yeah. How about the Colts dropping three spots on this list? That's, that's fascinating to me, even though 15% increase, every, everybody increased at least 10%. 10 was the low with Dallas and new England. So nobody's hurting here. Let's put it that way. And even, you know, Miami's $1.5 million fine. They're going to be just okay. Um, Cincinnati's dead last. That's just the market. Detroit's after them. That's that hasn't changed in probably forever. Jacksonville dropped to 30th and the bills jumped into 29th. That's stadium. Yes. And Josh Allen and success. Yes. Well, I, I think it's more of the success of the team now knowing mm-hmm. that the stadium is coming, but it's not here and it's not finalized. And we don't know what the is going to entail inside of the stadium. Maybe some of that is part of it, but I don't think it's the whole picture yet. What about New York enabling sports gambling? Uh, that could have helped a little bit. Um, I have to imagine, by the way, would explain the giants as well. That would explain the giants. They've been, they've been active for a while, but you, you understand what I'm saying. The New York market certainly was certainly able to bet on them. Um, Arizona down, Cleveland down, Indy way down, Saints down. There's a lot of that neck of the woods there that got kind of dinged and, you know. Oh, and when you say down, let's say that that is down yeah. as far as rankings. rankings not Everybody's up. Yeah, everybody's yeah. up from a valuation standpoint. What is the, the Bengals at the bottom, Scott? What's the low they, bar? They, they've been the bottom every year, I believe, since the Sportico has started. Yeah, I toggled back the last two years as well. They've been the bottom. Every but, year, two point eight billion—that's the low, right? That is the low. Yeah. So everybody's really in really good shape. I mean, that's a four hundred million dollar increase for them, just in one year. And obviously, the Super Bowl had a, had an impact on that, but not enough to get them out of the cellar. 
Uh, Denver's up into the top 10. New ownership coming literally as we speak. New quarterback, new coaching staff, new front office over the past two years. Yeah, uh, and that valuation number that's there, the $4.65 billion, yeah. that is actually what the purchase price was reported as. So right. that is why they're exactly at 4.65. Yeah, and you know, there's a lot of people that look at these numbers and, and, and speak to that. Well, okay, so that's what it would cost to buy them, right? But that's just not the case. Now, Denver's been updated because they're literally in the midst of a sale. So that is, that is literally what they've been valued at. But if somebody were to buy, uh, let's say the Patriots, let's say Robert Kraft is, has had enough. You know, he's had some, some run-ins here and there. Let's say that he puts the Patriots up for sale. It's, it's Mac Jones' team. It's not as you know, enticing for him to stick around. If they're a $5.8 billion valuation, is that just now a, a floor, in your opinion? Because of how much Sportico includes in this valuation, is that, is that like somebody tell, like Zillow telling you your house is worth four hundred thousand dollars, but there's no way you would take four hundred thousand dollars? You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I think so. Yeah, because of Sportico includes everything under the sun for a franchise. You know, right. like we've talked about in the past, they it's stadium, it's it's marketing, it's uh, you know naming rights for, and that could be part of the bill situation too. They switched over naming rights, so that goes into it. You know, what kind of technology is in the stadium? Yeah. How are fans doing? You know, fan engagement, all of the things that may go into uh, into a franchise, they're actually accounting for them as best as possible. So um, I, I agree that probably is is a floor to start at. It has to be. It's an on-paper situation because what they don't include is that there's only 32 of these, that you're going to have, what, four to five people bid for any offer, any team that's available. You're going to have four to five groups, I should say. So there's going to be a bit of a bidding war. So yeah, I look at these numbers and they're just, they're just the lowest possible value that you could have when it comes to buying. So they're, they're two separate conversations. Um, the work that they put in here to get to this number is, is like you said, it's kind of all inclusive. It's, it's merchandising, it's advertising, it's gambling, it's everything. And that's why these numbers are growing so much. And by the way, it's why Super Bowl winners grow as much as they do and things like that. So, um, you know, if, if you're a team, let's just look down the list here. I, you know, Dan and I just had the big offseason win projection total conversation, Scott. You know, he's really high on Minnesota. He's really high in the Chargers. And who who are in a, in a huge market? Obviously, I'm kind of big on Baltimore. Those are middle of the pack teams. We could see those teams be top 15 pretty easily with with one 2022 season. It's how quickly this league is moving. And then, oh by the way, the TV money's coming in 2023, 24. So I have to imagine that kind of cash flow is going to really improve all of these numbers, even all the way down to Cincinnati, right? Yeah, I would absolutely think so. And you know, we saw the NFL sort of start their pivot with streaming with their NFL plus. Yeah. So and Amazon, you know, yeah. it, it, right. In the Amazon situation. So, you know, you're right. There's a lot of cash about to come in and potential cash in the future with, you know, stadiums and, and whatever else is going to get thrown into the blender. And it's only going to make these valuations go up. I quickly looked up to compare where the NFL with all their teams compares to NBA and major league baseball mm. with the, with the Bengals being at the lowest, like you said, the $2.84 billion. That is the, all those teams are higher than only seven in the NBA and higher than only 
six in major league baseball. So the NFL is crushing as far as almost two to one, almost two to one now. Yep. Wow. Yeah. It's not slowing down. As you said, they're getting more innovative. They're demanding more new stadiums with more technology and more fan experiences. It's just, uh, it's a steamroller. It really is. And by the way, you know, there was a crappy hall of fame game on last night and I guarantee the ratings were pretty darn good. So, uh, you know, they're just not stopping. The NFL is not dead. Don't believe the news. Yeah. The last note that I'll, I'll mention, which I found kind of interesting and I don't know if it's just, uh, you know, an anomaly that it, it is as such, but seven of the top 10 valued franchises are in the NFC. So mm. I, I, the only AFCs in the top 10 are the Patriots, as you already alluded to, the Jets, and the Denver Broncos, who jumped up into 10th. They switched with the Houston Texans, so they were still AFC anyways. But uh, I found that kind of interesting that seven of the top 10 were NFC. It's fascinating. Good stuff, man. We'll talk soon. All right. Have a good one. My thanks to The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash spot track. Get yourself 40% off that first year subscription and check out dynastyhunter.com as well. For Dan Soman and Scott Allen, my name is Mike Gennetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Track Podcast.